NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm Patrick Brewer and I'm with uh, James Clark here. I thought we'd switch it up and uh, I'm doing the intro today. How do you think I did, James? I think you did excellent. Way better than the first couple attempts that I had uh, this uh, this evening. But, you know, we threw a little change up at you guys. Uh, hope you guys didn't mind. Um, Patrick... Uh, what's going on? You know, Padres are, are, are performing well right now as we as we record this evening. Um, they're they're up against the Rangers right now. It's uh, it's um, pretty interesting to see the team come together after uh, looking pretty pitiful in the Dodger series. Yeah, that was a rough uh, rain shortened series, but yeah, it's four nothing right now. I think we're in what the fifth inning, sixth inning. Yes, um, yes. Cahill's dealing, which we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But yeah, it's, it's good to see the team. Uh, I mean. We're obviously all rooting for the tank. Uh, I mean, I know some people say, "Oh, we shouldn't root for our team to lose," but I mean, let's be honest, we are, we we are. So, so some of us like to see those bright spots still, and I think it's good to have the team uh, perform once in a while. We don't want them to lose every night. We don't want it to be yeah. embarrassing. It, it was, it's still nice to have a competitive team, and and I think they're showing that tonight for sure. No, definitely. There's there's uh, sporadic moments of of uh, joy to witness within this team. Um, you know, Margot's continuing to hit. Uh, Austin Hedges hit another home run tonight. Ryan Schimpf con- continues to defy all odds. Uh, you know, there's there's positives to to look for on this team. It's just a matter of putting it all together consistently, consistently, which um, equals wins and and uh, wins on on the scoreboard. And, and you know, it's just going to take time, but it's nice to see this young team grow together. Yeah, definitely. So let's uh, jump right into it. Um, we have a trade to talk about. Didn't think uh, here we are May 8th. I didn't think we'd be talking about a trade, but uh, here we are. So what are your thoughts yeah. on the acquisition of Matt Caesar, outfielder yeah, from the Chicago Cubs? <laughs> uh, an, an unusual deal. Uh, you know, I, Justin Hancock wasn't uh, much as far as uh, providing depth for the team on the, on the minor league side. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher. Um Caesar is is really nothing special. I wouldn't expect anything, any uh, expectations too high uh, on him. Um, his acquisition leads me to believe that Janikowski's foot is uh, probably more damaged than uh, we're led on, we're led to believe, and uh, I believe the uh, Jabari Blash experiment might be uh, might be ending its final phase right now. Yeah, I think uh, both Janikowski and Dickerson aren't really expected back. Before June, really. I mean, maybe even mid-June for for them. And it's really both both injuries are kind of like you got to wait and see. It's not really a for sure timetable. So I think this just shows that yeah, they're they're not too sure about those two guys. And you can't really be running Margot and Renfro out there every day. I mean, it's good for them to get experience, but it's their first full year in the big big leagues. You don't want to wear them down too much. So so they need that depth. And and as you said with Blash, I mean, there's really nothing. I, I just don't know what's there at this point. I mean. He was hitting, I think, under 200 at AAA so far this year. He was hitting really poorly, honestly. He's striking out yeah. nearly 50% yeah. of the time he's up there. It's just 
I don't know what they see in him at this point. So um, if they can get him back down to the minors, I'm fine with that. I know a lot of people are looking forward to this experiment working out potentially. I mean, he does have a lot of raw power, but if he's not performing in the games, it's not really worth uh, the time and effort any longer. No, no. I mean, he's he's a fun guy to root for. I think a lot of people got, you know, caught up in his name and just wanted to root for the guy. And you know, he has a great story about him. But it, it's all about production. And at this point, it's about the future. And at, at his age, he's he's not someone who's going to be at prime age when when this team's going to start competing. So it's it's no sense uh, wasting a roster spot him at this point right now. Um, you know, Matt Caesar is is nothing special. He's had three hundred and thirty major league at bats. Uh, eight homers, 40 RBIs, 240 lifetime hitter, right-handed hitter, contact type hitter. You know, think like a Chris Denorfia, poor man's Chris Denorfia, if you will. Nothing really special. He might uh, endear himself to some fans here and there, but I wouldn't expect um, anything special out of him. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's not really he's not really being brought in to. To, to shake anything up too much. I mean, no, no. He was, he was obviously designated for assignment by the Cubs, so they didn't really want him, and this was just a way of getting him off the roster and getting something in return rather than just dropping him completely. Um, I, yes. At the end of the day, yeah, I like him better as a player than Blash because I kind of like that spark plug type player, a guy that just plays hard all the time. He's he's a good clubhouse presence from everything I've heard. Um, Clayton Richard, who, who played with him in Chicago, had nothing but good things to say about him. Um, I'm sure Trevor Cahill feels the same way. So it, it's a guy. He's a good yeah. clubhouse presence. He'll he'll eat up some innings out there. Um, I, I think I think it's a good move. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely. I mean, he'll help mentor some of the younger players, right-handed hitters in particular, like Hedges and uh, Margot and and Renfro, in fact. And, and you know that's a positive thing. And you know, let's talk about Hunter Renfro right now. Um, his season has been. It, it's it's difficult to analyze. He struggled with his walks. Uh, he's still struggling with his walk, quite frankly, but he's th- shown a little more patience recently. You know, talk to me about the numbers inside of, of Hunter Renfro and what, what you see about him and, and what his future is. And it, and let's get into his defense as well and and what you think um, the Padres have to look forward to from this young man. Yeah, I think the, the scouting report on Renfro was always a lot of power, um, big arm in, in right field but not a lot else. Um, he's not much of a, a contact hitter. He's not going to be a guy that's going to hit 300. Um, the defense is, is hit or miss. Um, he's, he's a pretty positive runner. I mean, he's got some speed. He's not, he's not too fast, but he's definitely above average. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're seeing that play out right now. He's got a, what, 3% walk rate, 30% strikeout rate. Um, he'll hit the occasional home run, but overall he's providing – really nothing i mean negative offensive value negative defensive value i guess the, the real bright spot is that his, his base running has been um one of the best on the team but other than that it's it's really not a lot there and i think maybe we expected a little more but maybe we shouldn't have i mean this is a guy that in the minors he's had he's had periods of, of a lot of hit and miss so um i think going forward it's just he's, he's gonna have to develop and i think it's gonna be a project and i think we have to be realistic about our expectations here this is not a guy that's going to be a superstar. He's not going to be, I know you hear like the Matt Kemp comparison because he kind of a similar profile, but he's not going to be uh, what Matt Kemp was at his peak. I don't think, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. the potential is obviously there, but I think this is a guy who could be a solid contributor on a, on a winning team, but he's not going to be um, not a face of the franchise. He's not one of those guys that you really build around. I think Will Myers is that guy. 
maybe Austin Hedges can be that guy. I think Margot is definitely that guy, but I don't think Renfro, he's more of a supporting piece. But the thing is you need those those supporting pieces on a championship team. So um, with that being said, I think he's still he still has a place on this team, and I think he's he can be an everyday player. It's just these are going to be uh, the growing pains you see. And after after a really hot start at the end of last year, I think over the off season we had what four or five months to get our expectations a little too high and get our hopes up. And yeah, we've been yeah. let down. I think we just need to give the guy a chance. I mean, it's really early yeah. in the season, so no, you, you know, play discipline is always going to be the key with him, and and whether or not he can recognize pitches and, and get adequate pitches in order to drive. He, he, you know. It, I wrote a piece earlier in the week how he had only been in 12 or 13 hitters counts in, in so far this season. And it's, it just seems like he's always behind in the count, whether or not he's fouling off pitches or whether or not he's taking pitches right down the middle. It's just, it, it's one of those things where he's going to have to learn to realize what the pitchers are doing to him and make adjustments. It's, it's a series of adjustments and it, it the Matt Kemp comparison is really, uh, I don't, I, I personally don't like comparisons. It, it's hard for anybody to live up to that. It, you know, I've heard Rob Deere comparisons of him. I've heard Bubba Trammell. I've heard some pretty uh, horrific comparisons. I, I, you know, I still like to think that he has, he has it within himself to make the adjustments at, at the next level. And he, the the ball just flies off his bat when he makes con- when he makes connections. And defensively, honestly, his defensively he's concerning me a little bit with his range and and angles and and tracking the ball uh you know the gun is there i've seen it it might be a little uh overzealous with 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 using it but range wise i'm a little concerned can you can you tell me uh, a little bit about what what you see uh defensively from uh, renfro so far this year yeah this is something we're gonna uh touch upon later in the podcast so we're gonna flesh mm-hmm. it out a little more in depth with a couple of the, the padres players but yeah uh renfro hasn't really been solid he, he hasn't passed the eye test i mean if if you've watched any Padre games, you can see that he's making some some bad reads on balls. He's making some bad decisions with throws. He's he's got a big arm, like you said, but he does not yet know when to throw the ball and when not to throw the ball, what base to throw it to. He's kind of making a little bit of boneheaded decisions, really. And uh, yeah, yeah, defensively, yeah, he's not. He doesn't really have the range maybe you expected him to have. He's not getting good reads on balls. He's he just looks kind of sloppy out there. I mean, he's no Matt mm-hmm. Kemp, but. Yeah, is it, no. Is anybody? So. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's a young team, and, and that's to be expected. And, you know, we'll discuss his defensive metrics a little later. But with a young team, uh, in particular with three Rule Five players, there's going to be times where the defense just looks atrocious. And you know, let's talk about the three Rule Five guys right now. Um, at this point, Cordoba's just been a breath of fresh air i think that he's pretty much a lock to remain with the team for the whole year he would have to go into a horrible 0 for 50 slump and strike out 49 times in order for them to consider not keeping him i mean diaz and torrens in particular are two that are intriguing to me we're hitting may roster spots are valuable uh both on the 25 and 40 man Let's talk about the future of, of both these two young men uh, in particular. Yeah, I think Cordoba has to be kept on the roster, like you said. I mean, he's been the fifth best hitter on the team behind uh, Myers, Solarte, Margot, Schimpf. Uh mm-hmm. He's been better than Hedges. He's been better than Renfro. He's been better than Jankowski when Jankowski was healthy. So he's. I think he's done enough to prove himself. I don't know if he's going to... 
he's obviously not going to be playing every day. He's 21 years old. You can only expect so yeah. much out of the kid. But I think he's a guy you look at and you say, this is a guy who we could keep long-term. He could be a part of this team's future. Um, as for the other two, it's it's a little bit more dicey. I mean, Terenz has only had 14 plate appearances before uh, today's game, barring him getting into today's game, which I doubt. But um, he struck out, I think, 35% of the time. So he's struck out in, yeah. like I think, four, three or four bats so far. Um, he hasn't really done much to the plate. I mean, he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't got, got pretty small sample size. Um, he's the guy I don't, I don't think they keep. I just, they have a lot of catching in the system in terms of mm-hmm. hedges. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Sanchez now, um, maybe Betancourt. I don't know. Rocky Gales yeah. down there if needed, if something catastrophic happens. Um, I mean, they don't have the, I guess they don't have the depth they would want. So he's a guy that maybe if you keep him, you could bring him up through the system. But I just, I don't see a way of hiding him on the roster for, the remainder of the season. That's kind of a push. No, maybe they no, can work yeah. out. Maybe they can work out a trade there. Uh, get him from yeah. the Yankees. Keep those rights. But I think Miguel Diaz is the guy who you really need to keep. I mean, he's been impressive. I mean, of late he's struggled, obviously, but he's had stints in the beginning of the year where he was just very impressive on the mound. And for a guy who's 22 years old and hadn't pitched above high A, kind of like Perdomo last year, you're gonna yeah. take. You're gonna be. You're gonna be able to take those lumps, and it's, it's understandable that he's gonna take those those bad outings and he's had I think he had what two straight bad outings against the Dodgers yeah, uh, over the yeah. weekend got hit I think five or six runs in each of them so that kind of ballooned his ERA he's up over 10 now mm-hmm. but I think he's a guy that I think you can hide in the bullpen all season I think they probably should hide him in the bullpen all season because long term he is a player who could be a part of that uh, maybe even the rotation long term if not he's a bullpen piece he's a guy who throws hard he's got some good stuff yeah, yeah I, in terms of like priority, I think Cordoba is first, and then Diaz, and then you have Terenz as a as a distant third. Yeah, no, I I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think uh, Diaz is definitely someone you want to keep. Um, you know, when you look back to Perdomo uh, this time last year, I think the progression in Diaz is already a little ahead of what you saw in Perdomo. So it's hard to say what's going to happen towards the end of the summer. He could very well end up in the rotation just like Perdomo did. And, and perform it, it, the arm is there uh it's a matter of putting it all together and uh and perform i mean you have to realize that this kid was pitching at single a last season and it it's got to be just just out of his mind to to be pitching at this level and against hitters who he worshipped and, and idolized growing up and stuff so the progression is there and and he's definitely shown it um Terenz is someone who i really don't in in spring, I didn't see a, a necessity to keep him. I still don't see it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about some of the the minor the depth that they currently have between Sanchez and, and Bethancourt if if they want to go that route. But you know, they have um, Austin Allen uh, down in the minors, who's a perfect complement to Hedges later on, left-handed stick compared to uh, Hedges' defensive right-handed bat. You know, there's just not a need for Terrence. I mean, are you going to keep a roster spot for him to be Hedges' backup three, four years down the road? I, it just I, To me, I don't see it. I, I mean, I, again, I'm not in, in the Padres' baseball operations by any means, and, and obviously they think very highly of this young man. And if they could make out a, a deal with the Yankees, it, it would be – beneficial because they don't have a lot of depth in the, in the upper minor league system at, at catching but mm-hmm. at this point he's just taking up a roster spot you know I, I'd, I'd love to see another pitch up here I'd love to see a, a Swahe up here somebody who can provide a little bit of uh, excitement for the fans 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely highly highly unconventional to have three Rule Five players on the uh, roster, and, and yeah, to keep yeah. to keep all three all year would really be unprecedented. So. I yeah. don't. I don't see it happen. I mean, obviously, last year, no. they they drafted three of them, and, they, and Perdomo's the only one that made it through. So yeah. I think they could definitely get two through this year, but I don't see, I don't see a way that they could get um, him through the Trends whole season. Through. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, with Sanchez out uh, presently on the ten day deal, I'm sure Turns is going to have uh, a couple of spot starts here and there, and uh-huh. uh, I'm sure the team's going to be on, on full evaluation of him in, during the next uh, two starts, which he's probably going to have to have, and he's going to have to social a lot of progression in order for them to consider keeping him at this point. Cause he keeping three to four catchers is, is, and you know, I know we're in tank mode and we're, we're trying to embrace the tank and, and it's all about getting a higher draft pick at this point. Cause we're not going to compete, but you don't want to damage the psyche of the fan base or the, the team in general. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't want to tank uh, too hard. You don't want to do things that are yeah. too unconventional and obviously carrying that many Rule Five players is pretty unconventional, so it's going to be a storyline to watch. And I think really anything could happen at this point; it, it could go either way. So definitely good to keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, definitely. So let's bounce back. We were just talking about defense, Hunter Renfro. I want to I want to come back to that for our uh, stat segment this week. I want to talk about mm-hmm. um, defensive metrics and kind of how those metrics work. Um, how how they're used to, to better evaluate defensive players uh, just past the eye test. Um, so we talked about Renfro. I mean, he's obviously struggled to start the year. Um, I actually was tweeting earlier. I was looking up some uh, defensive metrics with with regard to him and, and Will Myers and kind of seeing where both of them are at. Um, I found out that I guess I, I've been watching Padre games. I haven't watched every game. I've been I've been kind of watching on and off as much as I can. Uh, I've seen Renfro make some good plays. I've seen him make some some weird plays. Um, Right now he sits at negative 3.9 by Fangraph's uh, death metric. That's defensive runs above average. Um, Quick synopsis of what that does. It's basically trying to determine all all plays that happen for a defender and it's it takes it takes league average. So zero is considered league average. That's kind of the the, uh, set amount there and they're trying to compare players to that average and also Something they don't they do that other other uh, systems don't do, such as uh, UCR and DRS, uh, ultimate zone rating and defensive run saved. Um, both of those metrics do not adjust for position. So with with defensive runs above average, you can actually adjust for positions. You can compare a right fielder to a first baseman, a right fielder to a shortstop. It puts them all in that same level playing field. So okay. with with that in mind, um, Renfro currently sits at the eleventh worst in baseball at negative three point nine. So he's basically cost his team four runs with his defense, which um, for those who don't know, they say around uh, 10 runs is, is a win in terms of like war or offensive performance. Um, okay. So he's really not doing well. He, he's ahead of guys like Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Carlos Santana, Will Myers, who we're going to get to, Ryan Zimmerman, Jose Abreu. So not guys that are known for wow. defense. A couple first basemen, a couple outfielders who maybe should be DHs. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, Matt Kemp's not on that list. Um, he also has been hurt, so I think he falls a little further down. But still, obviously hasn't been a good start for Renfro. Um, I actually also looked into catch probability, which is the newest uh, stat cast metric. That puts, uh, that puts all plays into into buckets so there's five different buckets um a five-star catch is a play that's made under i believe it's 25 percent of the time 
uh, four-star catches between 15 and 25% of the time a play's made, and then on and so forth with a three, two, and one-star catch. So one-star catches are like pretty much always routine. made can of corn. Yeah, routine yeah. plays. So I looked those up. Renfro is one for nine on four or five-star catches. So he's wow. been he's been pretty good on one-star, one two-star, and three-star catches. Those are like the easy ones, uh, average catches. But yeah, he's yet he's yet to make any good, real good plays. I really, I mean, no five star catches at all. Um, for a comparison, uh, Manuel Margot has been, I think, near, he, I think Manuel Margot's been perfect, except for he's he's missed a couple five star opportunities, but he has made one five star opportunity. Um, for a comparison, Margot currently sits at, I believe, three point four for Def. Yeah, I think he's three point four, and he's in the top, okay. I think, fifteen of the league. Nice. Yeah, Margot's Margot's at three point four. He's eleventh in the league, so he's he's one of the better defenders in the league. In terms of outfielders, he's only behind uh, Odubel Herrera, Byron Buxton, Ender Inciarte, which are three guys known for great defense. Really. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of going off that, Renfro hasn't really passed the uh, the eye test or the the stat test, as I like to say. Um, another guy I was kind of shocked about was Will Myers. He's been at he's at negative four point one, which is. Even worse than Renfro, he's among the worst in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tied with Ryan Zimmerman, who's known for not being a great defender at first. He's tied with Jose wow. Abreu, who's the guy who DHs. So I'm not sure what happened with Myers. He was good last year, kind of tailed off at the end of the year. He was still one of the better first basemen. Now he's one of the worst, so I'm not sure what's going on there. I haven't really seen yeah. anything too out of the ordinary watching him play. I've seen a few plays here and there, but... The metrics are saying he's a lot worse than kind of what I've seen. So yeah, no, I, I've I've noticed quite a few botched catches, quite a few balls, uh, you know, through the wickets, and I mean, I don't, the defensive metrics, are, you know, they you can't argue that it, it is what it is, and you know, I don't I don't know if he went full out, uh, you know, just full on preparing himself for the season in 2016, and I you know I don't want to say slacked off, but kind of just kind of just took it easy and relied more on his hitting and focused more on that as far as training. But he's has looked sloppy in the, on the field. There's, there's no, there's no other way to, to, to just justify it. He's looked sloppy at first. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to work hard on, on, on rectifying that situation, but there's just no, there's no other way to, to put it. He's, he's made some plays this year that, uh, that have just kind of led, left me scratching my head. Yeah, I'm not sure um, what's the deal there. If, I'm sure he can improve. He's still young. He's still getting used to the position. I mean, last year was his first full season there. I'm not ready to say he needs to move back to the outfield, but no, no. if, no. if he can't fix that long term, then it's definitely a consideration. But he's got every opportunity to fix that problem. So yeah, I'm not no. really worried too much about it. Just something I thought was interesting um, in terms of him and Renfro and how that their defense hasn't really been up to par. Just about everyone else has been good, though. I mean, Margot has been one of the best in the league. Definitely. Um, let's see. Jankowski what are, what are was, Hedges' numbers? Can... Jankowski was good, obviously. Uh, Hedges is at one mm-hmm. for Def, although Def isn't really the best way, I think, to... Gauge catching Def? No, catching... I, use, I use Stat Corner. They, they take into account um, pitch framing, so I'm pulling up those numbers right now for you. Um, okay. By those numbers, Hedges is number six in the league with a 3.9 RAA. That's runs above mm-hmm. average for a catcher. So that t- that takes into account uh, plus calls. So those are calls that a catcher got, strike calls that were really balls. 
Um, that looks who's, at, who's, who's above him on, on that category? Uh, Jan Gomes for Cleveland. Roberto Perez also for Cleveland. Martin Maldonado for the Angels. Tyler Flowers, uh, the Braves. And you're not going to like this, but Yasmani Grandal is well yeah. ahead of everyone else. He's at 7.4, which is a full three and a half runs better than Tyler Flowers. Yeah, well. Yeah. Although in terms of guys, uh, full-time players... Uh, Hedges is actually third because Roberto Perez, Tyler Flowers don't play full time, and neither does Jan Gomes. Okay. So those yeah. guys have all seen more rest than Hedges has. But yeah, Hedges is right there with Yadi Molina, who we've heard some comparisons to in uh, recent weeks. So yeah, he's, yeah definitely. he's he's definitely been good. I mean, he's just what we expected. He's he's a guy that could be one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball, and if he can do anything on offense, that's a that's definitely a win. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so far so good for Hedges. I mean. He's only at point one WAR because the offense has kind of been off to a slow start, but I think he's a guy that can still be worth uh, three wins by WAR if he can put some offense together here going forward. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely excited with the growth and, and you know the pop that he's shown off his bat has been uh, it's been exciting. Yeah, another home run tonight. I mean, he's going well for him. I think he just needs yeah. to he just needs to put more balls in play. Uh, not just home runs. He needs to get some hits, but. Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, sub-200 batting average is not going to cut it for the yeah. full year, but, you know, hopefully uh, he'll get a couple bleeders here and there to fall in. Yeah, it's growing, um, it's growing pains. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, Padres are still presently winning the game. Uh, Cahill, um, you know, he's really asserted himself as, you know, I, I hesitate to call him the ace, but the team has a different look about him when he takes the mound, almost like an ace. He, he seems... I mean, he's getting the strikeouts, obviously. That's uh, why we're kind of naming him K. Hill. But mm-hmm. it's just something about him. Um, I, you know, like I said, I hesitate to call him an ace, but he's he's got that feel about him right now uh, as the leader of the staff. Yeah, I think at this point you have to call him the ace because he's he's been the best pitcher. I mean, he's already been worth a full win by by war, and he's only thrown 30 mm-hmm. innings, so... If he can keep up that pace, I mean, I don't, I doubt he will. But at that pace, he's a six-win player, which <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. saying he is. But if he can keep up that pace, he's definitely a hot uh, trade item this summer. Yeah, that's something they exactly. Can, yeah, that's some that's someone they can get a, a lot for. I think if he can, can maintain that performance. Uh, yeah, the, no, the walks are a little high for my liking. He, he walks mm-hmm. about he's walked about ten percent of his batters, which needs to go down a little bit. But he's he's striking out guys. More than he has, I think, ever really. He's striking out almost thirty-two percent of his thirty-two percent of batters. So, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think the walk rate is what's probably limiting him from being labeled that ace because he's just not able to go deep in the games. I mean, he only went into uh, I believe it was five and two thirds tonight. But you know, he needs to limit that pitch count in order to go deep in games because that's truly what you want out of your ace. You want him to save the bullpen and and go eight innings if he can be. Yeah, you you can't have him throwing a hundred pitches in five innings. So no, no. Long long term going forward this season, he needs to kind of get that under control a little bit. Yeah, he threw a hundred pitches in only five and a third. I think mm-hmm. fifty four were strikes. Um, so yeah, that so. yeah, that's fifty four strikes, forty six balls. You don't want to be throwing forty six percent of your pitches for balls. That's not a good ratio to keep. No, definitely, definitely. Um, but you know, the the K's are nice. The the strikeouts are nice, and you know the. The aura that he has on the mound is is also nice to see from from him. Yeah, and all the peripheral numbers look good. I mean, the ERA is higher than his FIP and his XFIP, so mm-hmm. that that tells me that he's he's getting good results on uh, balls in play. 
Um, so there's nothing too weird. There's, there's no regression to really expect here. Um, mm -hmm. The walk rate might be a problem for him going forward if he can't get that down. But I think if he can get the walk rate down, he could actually improve even further. So he's yeah. he's a guy that's going to be fun to watch, and that was worth a shot, I guess. Between him, yeah. between him, Chassin, and uh, Richard, I think they're all worth a shot. Chassin's been really good at home and has yeah. not been able to pitch on the road at all for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Richard's been up and down. So I think all three guys are still trade options. Um, they're not going to be netting crazy returns, but for a team like the Padres, that's that's what you got to do. It's part of the business now. Yeah, no, they were all basically uh, lottery tickets, and I guess you could uh, you could include Jared Weaver in that too, but they were lottery tickets that uh, hopefully you know one or two of them would, uh, would pan out. And it, it – it seems that uh, Cahill is, is uh, well on his way to establishing himself to a, as a as a starter in, in this league, and, and that's that's a valuable uh, trade commodity. And I'm sure, you know, once July comes, there's going to be somebody that's going to going to want him, especially with the the K, the uh, strikeout capabilities that he has. Yeah, I think I think he's definitely a, a trade chip, and um, I'm kind of hoping that, that they trade him to the Cubs because that's where he came from. I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The Cubs there had some go. problems with their pitching, so I think maybe that'd be a good fit for him. For All right. sure, for sure. So we're speaking of pitching. Let's uh, let's go to our minor league segment. Um, yeah, definitely. Padres, their farm system's obviously stacked with pitching. Um, we see that no more than Lake than in Lake Elsinore, where you have uh, Eric Lauer, you have Joey Lucchesi, you have Cal Quantrill, Anderson Espinosa, who hasn't been pitched yet, and he's. That's amazing that he's like the fourth guy that I have to mention because he hasn't pitched mm -hmm. yet. Yeah, um, really. So, yeah, Joey Lucchesi has just been – I don't even know how to, to really word it. He's just been obscene. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, if you if you haven't had a chance to see him in uh, Lake Elsinore, you better go soon because uh, he is probably going to be promoted to San Antonio uh, fairly soon. Uh, earlier this year when the Padres played uh, the Storm up in uh, – in um, Lake Elsinore, I had a chance to talk to Josh Stein uh, for a little bit, and he was telling me that uh, the pitchers that are in Lake Elsinore are pretty much on a fast track, that if uh, any one of them establishes themselves, they would be moved. And uh, right now, uh, Casey's definitely um, the one who's uh, established himself so far. Yeah, I think he's thrown 30 innings over his first six starts. Um, his mm -hmm. ERA is just over one. He struck out 33% of the batters he's faced. He's walked just under 8%. He's been nothing short of, of brilliant so far, and yeah, he's the guy to move up. I know a lot of people thought that Eric Lauer was going to be that fast mover because he's had, mm -hmm. I mean, coming out of the draft, he was the guy that, that most people said, oh, he's going to be the maybe the first starting pitcher out of this draft that's going to be in the big leagues because he was so far along in his development out of college. Um, but mm -hmm. Lucchesi's kind of passed him up, and I, I know we heard good things from Kyle Glazer when we talked to him on the podcast. Um, he's, yeah, he's, definitely. He loved him. Yeah, he's he's definitely moved up in a lot of people's eyes, and including mine. And I've I've, I've been watching him closely. Um, I think I think me and you need to get up to Lake Elsinore next time he starts, James, before we before yeah. we lose him, because he yeah, might not exactly. be there, he might not be there long. I I tweeted a couple days ago that he's he's going to be the first big uh, promotion of the of the year. I think. So, yeah, I think um, that's that's it's pretty fair to say that that uh, you know the Padres are already eyeing him for a rotation spot in, in San Antonio. Uh, eventually, I mean, and and that's a good thing because they have plenty of. De I mean, Logan Allen's performing in in uh, Fort Wayne, and and you know you're going to want to promote him as well. So it's it's a matter of uh, just progression with these young pitchers, and and we're definitely seeing that, and that's exciting because eventually these guys are going to be knocking on the door to the big league club, and and. It's going to be fun, fun. Seeing when the when the pitching catches up to the offense, it's going to be uh, fun times in San Diego. 
Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of people were uh, kind of surprised that Logan Allen didn't start the year at Lake Elsinore, but with how stacked that rotation is, um, mm-hmm. I, I've been asked by a couple people, when do, you, when do you think he gets a promotion? And I think really whenever Lucchesi gets a promotion, then Allen's yeah. going to follow suit. Although exactly. although they're going to need to they're going to need to work out some kinks because if Espinosa comes back, he needs a spot as well. But there's yeah. a couple other guys in that rotation that they can kind of shuffle around. I know they were going to they were going to run a six man rotation before the season, so. That's something they could still do. But San Antonio is so bereft of talent at this point. Other than Enel uh, de los Santos, there's not really a lot of pitching there in terms of like actual prospects that are long-term plays for the Padres. So, um, yeah, yeah, Lucchesi's certainly got a spot there, and I think it's going to happen. I don't like making predictions, but I think within the, within the month, I think we'll see him moving up if he continues uh, like he's pitching now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he... he... It's a good problem to have as far as uh, depth of pitching, and and uh, the Padres are are definitely dealing with that problem, if you want to call it that. And they, it, it's it's just a wonderful thing because these young pitchers are are going to progress. You know, not all of them are going to reach the major leagues, but when you s- surround yourself with a huge, you know, gigantic pot of them that we have, it's it's just it's amazing, and, and I'm excited. It, it's a uh, it's good times, um, Patrick. Let's let's uh, go ahead and end our thirty uh, third episode uh, with some rapid fire questions. All right, you want to um, start? Yeah, the first the first one I have uh, again talks about the Padres' young pitching. Uh, let's talk about Denilson Lament. A lot of people, a lot of Padres fans, are calling for him to be in Petco already. What what are your thoughts on that? And uh, just uh, let's talk about him. Um, the short answer is that he's not ready. Um, mm-hmm. The long answer is that uh, <laughs> he's got some work still to do. I mean, he's gotten off to a good start this year. I know he's got a lot of attention for the couple starts he had where he's striking out like 13 guys in five innings. But um, I think his last start showed, um, really showed why he's not ready. I mean, he threw, pulling up the numbers right now. I, I shouldn't say his last start. I should say his, his uh, two starts ago because he threw, uh, what was it, yesterday. And he, he, was, he looked decent enough yesterday. Um, he threw five innings on May 1st, gave up six hits, six earned runs, walked five batters, struck out four. So that's the kind of guy he is. I mean, he can strike out a lot of batters. He can be very effective, but he also can walk a lot of guys. He can also give a lot of, give up some big hits. So I think the walks is the big thing that needs to come down for him to be uh, able to pitch to the next level. Right, right yeah. now his walk rate is 12.5%, which not really where you want to be. The strikeout rate is over 30%, which is obviously great. But I think you need to cut down that difference a little bit, and you, you can't have a guy walking that many batters. I mean, like we talked about it before with Cahill, he's kind of walking that razor-thin edge between walking too many batters and, and kind of being walking just enough batters and being able to get by just fine. So, yeah, yeah. Lamette's a guy I think they, they need to be patient with. There's no need to rush him. But um, at the end of the day, I think he's a guy that's still going to be – at some point he's going to be on the Padres this year, whether it's a September call-up or earlier. He's going he's gonna to be a guy in that rotation this year. So – you yeah, just gotta work no, those kinks out. Definitely, there's no sense in rushing him, and you know you still have uh, Jared Kosar, who's going to be uh, nearing uh, completion. Uh, I believe next week he's ready to come back. So there's, it's not as though there's plenty of uh, roster spots and starting rotation available for him. So you need to let young players progress. That's what this is about. That's what this rebuilding project is about. And it's good that he's performing. Let's just let him perform at that level and and not rush the young man for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and going off that, he's he only pitched ten innings at AAA last year, so he's only thrown just shy of forty innings at AAA. You don't need to wow, yeah. bring a guy up with only forty innings, and he only threw seventy four at AA. So yeah, this guy's only exactly. seen a hundred. He's only barely even seen a hundred innings. 
at the wow. uh, uppermost levels. So no need to rush that. Um, yeah, I wanted no to talk about you were speaking of young players. Let's speak mm-hmm. of Alan Cordoba. Uh, we talked about him a little bit before. Do you think he's mm-hmm. a guy that should be playing more? I mean, we just traded for Matt Caesar. He's a guy who's probably going to jump in the lineup. Yeah. But is yeah. Alan Cordoba a guy who deserves more time either out in the outfield or even at shortstop with how uh, Eric Ibar's kind of been hit or miss? You know, I, I think that the Padres are handling him correctly. He's His confidence is, is, is high right now, and you want to keep him at a high level. Uh, it remains to be seen if he'll play in 2018 with the team at the major league level. He, there's, it's quite possible that they send him down for double A AA or triple A for a year to get a little more seasoning. Uh, with that being said, he's shown in limited at-bats that he understands the game. I've seen him take 2-0, 2-1 swings where he is just coming out of his shoes. But that, that to me tells me that he understands what to look for in specific accounts, what to, you know, he has a, a good plate discipline at, at this point in his young career. And you don't want to put him out there every day uh, facing major league type of quality pitchers that are going to victimize him eventually because he's going to have holes in his swings. He does have holes in his swing. And, and they're going to find it. And at his age, you want him to be confident. You want him to remain confident. I would like to see him get a little more couple starts here and there, but I think you have to... You have to take it easy. If you see any kind of uh, development issues with him, you need to pull back on the reins and, and kind of just ease him into to playing time. Yeah, I agree I agree completely. You need to give the guy confidence. You don't want to throw him to the fire too much and have have that no. confidence get shot. Um, no. So, yeah, it's definitely a slow process. For sure, for sure. You know, it, it, it's it's exciting to see a young player like that, and, and, and kudos to A.J. Preller and his staff for finding uh, a player like that who – basically a lot of people didn't even know about and and i'm sure the cardinals are, are upset about losing him yeah definitely they they should be okay uh let's talk about uh something that's uh pretty bizarre is uh yonder alonzo's monster season in uh in oakland right now he's has nine home runs this year which is already tied for his career high uh <laughs> which he accomplished in 550 at bats in 2012 with the Padres. Uh, this year he has nine home runs and 90 at bats. Uh, his OPS is is 1.053. Uh, his OPS plus is 196. Yeah. Is it time to test 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 Yonder Alonso or, or what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I, why couldn't he do this when he was on the Padres? Right. <laughs> yeah, that was always the knack that he just couldn't drive the ball. He couldn't get the the home run. And yeah. So let's. I, uh, I don't know. Let Let's go down the uh, the ISO uh, leaderboard. That's isolated slugging. Mm-hmm. Or isolated power, I should say. So that's just isolating power out from uh, every other batted ball. So this this is the leaderboard: Ryan Zimmerman, Aaron Judge, yeah. Eric Thames, Freddie Freeman, Yonder Alonso, Bryce wow. Harper, Joey Gallo, Mike Trout, <laughs> Miguel Sano. All right, tell me who's the odd one out. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't know. He's he's hitting the ball in the air like never before. And and Fangraphs had a post that uh, it was titled Yonder Yonder Alonso is the new poster boy of the fly ball revolution. And I think. That's pretty a uh, pretty good way to put it. I mean, he's just been unreal. I don't. This is not sustainable well, at all. But let, well, let me let me ask you. You're a, you're a statistic type of guy. Has his launch angle changed? Is he is he projecting the ball in the air more now? Um, I'd have to uh, pull up the numbers. So give me a minute on that. But yeah, okay. uh, I, I know his he's been hitting fly balls. Um, he was always known as a guy who hit the ball on the ground. He he made the yeah he, yeah he made, he made good contact, but he wasn't a guy that was like. Um, he wasn't going to wow anyone with with power. It was always a kind of doubles power, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. 
Um, but yeah, it's just I don't I don't understand where this came from, and I guess it kind of goes to show that yeah, you can uh, change your swing even late in your career. Yeah, yeah I guess anybody can. The, the The power is just unreal, though. I mean, for him to already equal his career uh, home runs for a season in in a sixth of the at bats, it's 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 pretty pretty remarkable and and his k rate isn't uh improving vastly either which is you know has he just kind of figured it out at age 30 i mean there's it's you know i'm sure the a's are happy and you know the game's about the law of averages so i'm sure there'll be a dry spell for him eventually uh with the power which will kind of you know in june he might end we might be sitting there with 12 home runs and this will be a moot point but it's unusual to see a player just all of a sudden just develop power like that yeah, it's it's definitely uh, surprising. So I looked it up. His launch angle this year is already uh, 22 degrees on average. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year with the Potters, it was or last year with the A's, I should say, it was 10.3. Uh, his last year with San Diego is 7.6. So you can see he's wow. He's made okay. a, quite a significant uh, difference there, and he's also hitting the ball uh, hard when he is making contact. He's not he's not getting any uh, any cheap home runs here. He's making good wow. contact for sure. So well, there you go. Definitely a weird. Thing. Like I read that article and I had no idea what he was doing, and now I'm like, wow, that's weird. So he's hit, he's hitting the ball in there. I guess he finally read the Ted Ted Williams Science of Hitting book, and that's what he would always preach: is hitting the ball in the air. Good things yeah. happen when you hit, it, hit it, it in the air, and he's doing it. It took him a little too long to figure it out for the Padres' sake, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he yeah. his career mark for uh, fly balls is around 33. Uh, percent mm-hmm. This year he's hitting him at 51. percent His ground ball rate is usually. Uh, for his career, it usually sits mid forties. He's at twenty five percent so far this year. Wow! So he's pretty much flip flopped those two numbers almost completely. Um, he's his his other numbers are pretty much the same. He's making the same. He's pulling the ball the same, uh, going the opposite way the same for the most part. Uh, his hard contact's obviously up a little bit. His soft contact has fallen. But yeah, he's really reinvented himself, and it's it's weird and it's kind of sad that he's not in the Potters anymore. But I'm I'm glad I, I I never had a bad thing to say about the guy. I always rooted for him. So no no he provided he provided provided uh, decent defense, uh, average hitter, and it was always the lack of power that everyone always talked about. And uh, I guess he uh, he got into baseball analytics and decided to drive the ball in the air and and change his launch angle. And there you go. Yeah, uh, he definitely had a good off season, I suppose. <laughs> for, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, I think we're good to to go, uh, Patrick. Anything else we need to cover before we're out of here? No, I think that we we pretty much covered everything. I mean, Padres are currently up five to one. Corey Spangenberg hit a home run, which is a little bit of a rarity. Speaking yeah, of guys that don't go. hit home runs, um, yeah, yeah Padres up five one, top of the eighth. So that, things are looking good there. Hope we didn't jinx anything by mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we do have Jared Weaver going on the mound tomorrow, so there you we, we, we got to get the uh, win while we can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on our 33rd episode of the Padres EVT podcast. Uh, Patrick, go ahead and uh, take us out. Yeah, so we're on uh, Podbean. That's where we're hosted. We, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast, uh, Stitcher, um, iTunes. We're all over the place. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm PatrickBrew93. Uh, James is on Twitter at EVT underscore news. He also runs the SD underscore sporting news Twitter, which we, we tweet from there as well. Uh, he's also his personal account, EVT underscore J Clark. So give us a follow on all those accounts. Uh, stay tuned for more content. Always trying to find new things. Always trying to uh, provide new new ways to look at the Padres. So uh, stay tuned Definitely. for more. 
Definitely. We have a couple of exciting uh, guests lined up, uh, hopefully for the end of this week, if not beginning of next week. So stay tuned, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, East Village Times Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.